OAMNetwork.com. Power to the podcast. Welcome to Tigers Tonight, a podcast dedicated to University of Memphis Tigers football. Here is your host for Tigers Tonight, John Maddox. Good evening and welcome to the Ohm Studios, where 100% of the precincts are now reporting that it is time for Tigers Tonight here on the OAM Network. John Maddox with you, behind the man behind the glass making all the magic happen, if I can talk tonight, our producer Gil. And calling in from somewhere, uh, as we used to call it uh, in the old days of Memphis wrestling, calling in from parts unknown. Actually, he's he's north of Knoxville. It's the best co-host in all the land, Larry Marley. And Larry, how in the world are things over in the uh, beautiful eastern part of our fair state? Well, and ironically enough, it's in, I am in Clinton, Tennessee. True story. Sadly so enough, he, I know exactly where that is. Um, so... That's where we are at, and um, it, it's been an interesting day. I started out in Louisville, and now I'm north of Knoxville. So I have learned so, again that uh, so things Tiger, have not gotten uh, any better. No, it really hasn't. <laughs> it, it's no, it, it's unfortunately I'll be heading west tomorrow, and uh, looking forward to it. But uh, but no, I, I personally could not have had a better week last week. Um, uh, and and I, I will say that that I ended uh. Thursday morning was very interesting for me. Uh, I had a meeting at 10 in the morning, and I don't remember any of it. Um, <laughs> but, but but And then it was capped off by this wonderful, just, um, I wouldn't say out of nowhere, but surprising performance by the Tigers on Saturday. Yeah, it was a little surprising to me. Um, well, I, I say it was surprising. Tigers won 51-7. to Um I forget exactly what you and I predicted. I think we both predicted Tiger wins, but they were going to be close. And I thought both teams would score a lot of points. But, uh, you know, I was having a conversation with our friend Jeb on Twitter earlier this week. He said that Saturday was our best performance of the year. And um, I I don't know. I I still – although I will say that I – well, I I think Bowling Green, it's pretty hard to top when you beat somebody 77-3. to Uh, Oh, yeah. But I, I think that this was a little better team. Um, I thought we played poorly in stretches of the Temple game, where we didn't play poorly at all on Saturday. Um, That's correct. Thought we played really well. I thought the team was um, ready and prepared this week, unlike the last couple of weeks. Um, and, and it seemed like this was a game where they kind of put everything together and uh, just went out and dominated a, a look an opponent that had won a couple games and had gotten a little. Um, gotten a little momentum going, and we just, I mean, just absolutely took SMU behind the proverbial woodshed. And and the other thing that was, to me, was surprising, and I almost wanted to say this last week, but I was I was a little afraid. I thought that, there, that, that we did have a little bit of a Navy hangover going into the Tulsa game. It's almost like in baseball, facing a knuckleballer. Like the next day, you know, he's like, uh, we just saw this guy. He's throwing sixty, and now all of a sudden, this guy's throwing ninety, and it looks like he's throwing one hundred and thirty. I think we saw Tulsa do things so much differently, and we really struggled with that. And we never could, you know, readjust. And then this game, you saw us the defense. We readjusted. We looked like the Tiger defense that we've seen, you know, all year, with the exception of the two games. 
Yeah, I uh, I I was most impressed. I think with you know, and, and I I said something to you. I, mm-hmm. I I said that in the second half of that Tulsa game, you know, for all the bad it was, it looked like something changed with Raleigh Ferguson. Like he finally got it. The light bulb went on, off, whatever you want to say. It was like he finally <laughs> he finally got it. It was like he he finally figured out. It, it's it was almost just like a somebody snapped their fingers and he was a different player. Um, after an absolutely horrific first half. Now, we got a long way to go. We still got three more games left. But, you know, if Saturday is any indication, then I think I'm right because he put on quite a show in that first half. Uh, ends up with 287 passing yards. Tigers up 38 um, to 7 at the break and then kind of just put it on cruise control from the second half. Uh, game lasted a John Maddox approved three hours and 10 minutes in front of. Yep. Uh, Announced twenty four thousand three seventy nine. I, I I'd take about ten or eleven thousand off that. Uh, the crowd was yep. not that was not that big. Uh, Tigers got things started right early in the first quarter. First drive, Anthony Miller, a fifty yard touchdown pass, capped a two play eighty one yard drive that took thirty eight seconds off the clock. Uh, Memphis comes right back, for, holds SMU to three and out, and gets a four yard touchdown pass from Joey to Joey Magnifico. From Raleigh great Ferguson, name. that is it's a great name. I actually went to school with his brother. That's right. He, yeah, he, he's a, uh, I believe, Cordova. Yeah. Would they be the uh, magnificent Magnifico brothers if they were a trapeze act? Yes, indeed, they would. But I believe they're they're, they're bigger gentlemen. Yeah, they're, yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're they're a WWE tag team, the Magnificent Magnif- Magnificos. They're, they're the Leaping Magnifico Brothers. Yeah, there you go. Um, and then SMU comes down after the team's trade punts, and, and neither team really does much. Goes on a nine-play, 91-yard drive that's capped by a Kamon Freeman catch from Ben Hicks, 16 yards to go to make it 14-7. So SMU's like, great, we're right back in this thing. Then they kick off to Memphis, and Daryl Henderson takes it 99 yards to the house to give Memphis a 21-7 lead. And when that happened, you just kind of saw SMU go, well, not today, boys, not today. Yeah, it's not happening. Uh, I just I thought that was a huge play, and it's so funny because we go 20 years between kickoff returns for touchdowns, and we have three this year. I didn't have a chance this week. It's been crazy, and I, I was going to look up and see how many other schools have three touchdown, three kickoff returns for touchdowns. Um, I can't imagine there's very many, um, but the Tigers go up 21-7. Then they get a field goal at the 11-10 mark of the second quarter to go up 24-7. And then uh, a 35-yard touchdown. I believe it was after a interception or a turnover. Uh, Daniel Montiel Montiel catches the 20-yard pass from Ferguson uh, to give Memphis a 31-7 lead. And then with 10 seconds to go in the half, Tigers really put the nail in the coffin. Uh, cap off a 10-play, 83-yard drive with the second touchdown of the day for Anthony Miller, 21-yard pass from Raleigh Ferguson. And then Tigers add a five-yard touchdown run and two Jake Elliott field goals in the second half uh, to get the final margin to 51-7. Final numbers for uh, Memphis on offense, Raleigh Ferguson, an outstanding day, 20 out of 27, 287 yards, four touchdowns, only gave up, only got sacked twice. Uh, Jason Stewart, four four passes, uh, four for six, 27 yards on the afternoon for him. Uh, Dorland Dorsey, it's nice to see him kind of get back on track a little bit, 14 carries for 85 yards. Uh, Daryl Henderson, nine for 39 uh, Tony Pollard, 6 for 31. Jason Stewart, 2 for 23. Uh, one of those was a long of 23. Uh, 
leading receiver for yep. the Tigers, Anthony Miller, 102 yards again, uh, two touchdowns on just four catches. Uh, Kadarian Jones, a bit of a homecoming for him, had a couple grabs. Daryl Henderson with three catches out of the backfield. Dan- Daniel Montiel with four grabs for 45 yards. Uh, Pollard had three catches, Magnifico with two catches, and then you had John, you had Pop Williams, Drew Bishop, Michane Slade, and Sean Dykes all with one catch apiece. For SMU, uh, not a good afternoon for Ben Hicks, just 17 of 31 for 170 yards. Um, and Kimon Freeman had 10 carries for 84 yards on the afternoon as well. And uh, SMU has ends up with 100 yards rushing. The Tiger with the Tigers with 160. And you know we said on uh, last Tuesday that that was going to be one of the keys to the game is could the Tiger rushing attack hold up? And it certainly did. Tigers had five tackles for loss, three sacks, including two by Jannard Avery, uh, Arthur Merlette and Jannard Avery both forced a fumble, um, and Jared Gentry returned one forty returned one of those fumbles for 40 yards. Uh, on SMU's side, return is a really, really generous turn. He 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 stumbled about twenty of those yards. Anyway, <laughs> hey, that's how it goes Go down in the record book. Uh, Tigers still having <laughs> Tigers still having a little bit of trouble on the offensive line. They give up uh, five, six, seven, uh, eleven tackles for lost, including uh, four to Justin Lawler. The two sacks Deontay um, Scott had one, and Keon Mitchell. Kieran Mitchell had the other one uh, for Memphis, as we said, three sacks on the afternoon, um, which was a sight, a nice thing to see. They've had seven all season and came in here and got three. So all in all, a pretty a, – and a leading tackler for the Tigers, Arthur Mollette, uh, Jannard, Jannard Avery with six tackles. Mollette had seven. Curtis Aikens, another strong game with six tackles. Darian Porter with some nice action. He got five tackles. And I tell you what – I was really impressed with Jamal Pardner. I, I thought he played really, really well um, in stretches. Um, and how the about reception was good? Yeah, and how about Anthony yeah. Miller getting in there and getting a tackle on special teams? Uh, <laughs> another one. Another one, yeah. But uh, yeah, I thought the secondary played really well. I thought we were very disciplined on Saturday. Um, you know, I didn't even look at that. I didn't even see how many penalties. It, none just jumped out at me. So let's see here. Let me flip over there. Um, Sorry, well, this the name you... you did mention was Ernest Suttles, who who picked. Man, he... He, did, he he got he got he got a sack, but 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 more than anything, he was pressuring up the middle. He, he knocked down some passes. Really played well. On, you know, just wherever he he was, he made a play. And and I I actually tweeted you after the game that yeah. I thought he deserved a player of, of the game. Um, his stats aren't great on paper. But he was a difference maker all over the field. Yeah, he he's kind of the 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 you know he was kind of the engine that made things go on Saturday. Um, and and you know I thought that uh, he played really well. And like you said, he did a great job of just getting pressure up the middle and kind of Correct. forcing the issue. Uh, made Hicks hurry some throws. Tigers with three penalties for twenty six yards. Uh, SMU with six for 46. Tigers end up 474 yards, hold SMU to 308 yards. Um, you know, I, I just thought that that he did a really nice job of occupying guys, and, and that's yep. been the problem all along with Avery is and, and why his numbers have kind of been down. Avery's yep. a great player, but but this is where the line has to help the linebackers out. Avery can't make plays if every time he runs into the line, he runs into three guys. I mean, he just he's yep. a great player, but he can't make plays. So, um, you know, I think that it's important for 
for Memphis to be able to do that, have somebody step in and, and occupy those guys up front to give Avery and, and hopefully if we will talk about this later, get Sharif White back this week and DeMarco Montgomery and Austin Hall, give those guys an opportunity to make a play. And I, you know, I just, I thought it was a great team defensive effort. I thought it was very, very, um, I thought it was a very, very well uh, game planned game. We seem to have the perfect. Yes. We we seem to yes. have the perfect plan for SMU, and more importantly, in having the perfect. It's great to have the perfect plan. It, it's all about execution. Executed. I thought I thought the team uh-huh. did a great job of executing on Saturday. They and they forced SMU to do things defensively they didn't want to do. Give me an example: the opening drive, the touchdown to Miller. They wanted. They had a man over top. They wanted to, to double. But Memphis came out, with, with and it came in motion, and they brought a man up, and that forced the safety to step over, and that released Miller on the outside. And you talk about the light going off. This is what you're talking about, because what happened was Riley recognized that the safety had taken three steps over, and he realized that he would have a, a window to throw into. And that's what he did. He threw into Miller, beat his man off the line, threw into that window, and then Miller was able to beat the safety, uh, stiff arm the safety into the end zone. But, but even if he doesn't, he's completed that pass into that window. And that's what you're talking about when you say the light went off. For yeah. Riley. Yeah, and there were a couple times, even more so than that, on his incompletions where he rolled out and there was nobody there, and he got rid of the ball. And Correct. he didn't. He didn't hesitate. He didn't. Uh, you know, he didn't hold the ball and wait and wait and wait. It's just it wasn't there, so he got rid of it. I, I just I think we're starting to see a progression. And, and look, let's let's be fair. This is not untypical for a first year Division One starter mm-hmm. to take six, seven, eight games to to figure things out. Um, I, you know, I'm just. I'm, and, and, and one thing, John. He might take three steps forward. He may take a step back for a week or two. It can happen. And then go forward. We saw this with Paxton. We saw this. Um, you look back with Martin Hankins. Good example of a guy who took a step forward and then took some steps back. Um, it can happen. Um, and I'm not saying that's going to happen this week. But my point is, it's not going to be an, you know all downhill from here. He's still got progression to make. Yeah. And, and you know, and some of it, to be perfectly honest, ha- has has quite a bit to do with the quality of defensive opponent you face, and um, yes. USF will 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 offer up some unique challenges to us that SMU does not. Um, right. You know, this will be our third, really, re- well, fourth if you count Ole Miss, really, really physical defense that we're going to face on Saturday. So, you know, that's going to be interesting to see how we game plan for that. But, you know, going back to the SMU game, I, I, I was frankly surprised. I didn't get to watch the first half. I was out. I came home and uh, turned on the game. I was like, holy cow. And then I went back and watched the first half. And, I mean, it was a bloodletting. I mean, it, we we didn't even when it was fourteen seven. It did not look like SMU was going to get back in the game. And, no, no. And, you know, for the first time probably this year, well, outside of the the Bowling Green game, I, I thought we showed some killer instinct and really Bowling Green was just Bowling Green was so bad that and they are bad and they yeah, they're they they're still bad. bad. They're really struggling this year. But I thought that we showed a little bit because we just. We could have done anything we wanted to Bowling Green, but we got up on SMU, and I thought we did a really great job of just 
shutting the door in their face because we really didn't do that with uh, Southeast Missouri State. We really didn't do that with Kansas. We just played well enough to win those games. But I thought Saturday, and I'm hopeful, you know, that that, that was a turning point in the, in the season where now – you know, we know. Okay, when we get up fourteen nothing, or if we're fortunate enough to get up twenty one seven on a on a USF, we got to keep going. We got to keep that pedal to the metal. And, and it was little things like I noticed he let Jason Stewart throw the ball a little bit in the second half. Um, and in the yep. past, he probably doesn't do that. He probably says, "All right, Jason, go out there and hand it off forty five times." Uh, he only threw six passes, and and all six of them were safe. But I think that's not. You know, I'm, I'm hoping that's not indicative. You know, I'm hoping that is indicative of what's to come this season as, you know, Memphis probably did put together their most impressive showing. Um, you know, the Temple game, if you want to look back at that one, we had we had a little stretch there in the third quarter where we won that ball game basically because we were stinking sure. it up the entire game. But but SMU, we came out, we put our foot on their throat, and we just kept going, and we just we didn't let up until the game was well out of hand. Um you know, and we can dissect numbers and all that all you want, but but part of this, and Larry, you know this is is winning yep. is a mentality, and and, yep. and this is the first, um, I don't want to say signature win, but this is the first win of the Mike Norvell era where we were better than the other team by not a wide margin. Um, again, SMU came in; they had won two straight. They beat Houston two weeks sure. ago. They they beat Tulane in overtime. You know, so this is you know, and and you know, Chad lost Moore to, lost to Tulsa in overtime. Yeah, lost to Tulsa in overtime. So I mean, this was a good team. And what you're, which I think, what you're saying is, or at least to me, what you're saying is, this was the first time that we faced an opponent that we may have been better than, but we weren't significantly better right. than. But um, but we ended up just devouring them um, through not just not just our preparation and execution, which that was a big part of it, but also because we came in with confidence. Yep. And I think the key here is, as a, I was really curious to see what would happen this week. Um, you know, there were some people talking about, oh gosh, if we got us another Ray Dempsey on our hands here. Um, you know, for those of you who, don't, who are too young to know, Ray Dempsey was who followed Rex Dockery, um, had a good first half of his first season, and then things went really downhill. Um, and so people said, oh, we then got another Ray Dempsey. He's, you know, living half season off of, off of Fuente. Um, I was glad that there was an emphatic, no, that's not what we're dealing with here. We, we had, I will always say that this was just a Navy situation. We came in Navy, the Navy hangover. Um, and then we came back and we, we found our footing. We found ourselves. Um, I would be shocked if we see another Tulsa game this year. We may get beat, but I'll be shocked if we get just obliterated. Well, you, you know, you got two out of your last three at home. Um, yep. You have a chance to go five, five, six to one at and home. And you got this pine year. box in the other one. That's right. And that's yeah, dumpster pine box. So. <laughs> And I'm not afraid to call a dumpster fire a dumpster fire. That's a dumpster fire. Okay. 
Well, I, I kind of figure how that's going to work. They're going to fire. Let's see. They play this week. Uh, they'll play yeah, on they'll the twelfth. They fire, right, they'll fire right. <laughs> they'll fire them on Sunday. They'll fire them on the, on the thirteenth. And so you know, whoever the whoever the poor schmuck is that has to take over that mess that he's going to leave behind will be the new coach, and they'll rally around him and play great. But anyway, um, so you know, that's 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 looking down the road a little bit. No, just just along those lines, had a couple people um, ask me about the game time for. South Florida, or or for the Houston game at the end of the year, um, and I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but we kind of moved to Cincinnati, so we'll move to that game for just a second. Um, sure. There are once college basketball starts, there are fewer available what we call TV windows, and if you don't follow Matt Sars, that's S A R Z on Twitter, M A T T S A R Z, he is like the pros pro with this. He has a spreadsheet all set up where you can go online and look at all the various windows, who plays when, you know, what is a, what does a window mean? What is you know who has how many appearances? He's just he's he's the pros pro at it. He's an expert with it. Um, looking at his spreadsheet, and I haven't had a chance to ask him if I'm interpreting it correctly, but I think I am. There are three available windows for Memphis to play Houston on the 26th. 11 a.m., 4 p.m., and 7.30 p.m. Uh, the latter... Yeah, we're, we're playing at 11. That's that's what I'm saying, because the latter two are on ESPNU. The 11 a.m., they'll move... What they'll do is, in, right now, NC State, North Carolina, slated for ESPN. My, my gut feel is, especially if the Tigers can win... The next couple of weeks, they will move NC State and UNC to ABC and put Memphis and Houston at the 11 a.m. slot on ESPN. But we won't likely, we won't know for sure. We may not know for sure until next Saturday night after the Cincinnati right. game because they may put us on a six-day hold. But we would likely know. We'll possibly know Monday. Probably more than likely, we'll know. On, I think that game's going for a six-day hold because what that means is they want to wait and see how the games turn out. So, you know, if Houston loses their next two games, which I haven't even looked at their schedule, um, then it would be slotted no here. And if they win their next two and we win our next two, then, of course, and then there is always the possibility they put us on Memphis and Houston on ABC. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen because I don't think either team can win the West. I think it's pretty much between Tulsa and Navy. So, um you know, if that were the case, then they would definitely move to ABC. But there's there's a lot of moving parts um, with TV, and it gets even more complex the closer, the deeper into November you get, because now you've got college basketball and so much um, so much availability. And hey, just along those lines, shout out to the Memphis Tigers last night. Absolutely. Yes, it was only an exhibition, but uh, Tigers throttle CBU last night. Almost said CBHS. Sorry, Larry. Um, Tigers throttle CBU last I think CBHS night. CBHS is better than CBU, so there you go. <laughs> and uh, big win for Tubby Smith to get things started off. They start in earnest on Monday. I want to say University of Texas Rio Grande Valley is their first opponent. That's correct. Well, how about Grand that? Valley State or whatever yeah. Grand Valley State or Rio I, no? Grand I think State I think it is. I think it is Michigan Rio Grande Valley. I think it is UTRGV. I think that's what I saw on my rate card today. Um, and. Hey, I got no idea what their mascot is. So, um, you know, hey. Don't care. Yeah, don't care. Probably won't, hopefully won't matter. But uh, so the Tigers again, victorious over SMU on Saturday. Let's uh, steer the ship back between the rails. Uh, Sure. 51 to 7. And uh, the Tigers again pick up a big win. And uh, that improves Memphis. I I, I just want to say, I think this is the biggest win of the Norvell era because it's a rebound win. It's the first time he's faced real adversity because you're coming off to Ole Miss you're expected to lose to Ole Miss um, but you're coming off a throttling 
by a team you were favored to beat in Tulsa. And Navy. So, and you and, and Navy. People forget we were favored in that game. Now, no, I, I Navy's a different animal, but you absolutely got throttled against Tulsa. And at home, at homecoming. Then you go on the road and you just curb stomp SMU. Now, you may have better talent, but I don't argue you may have had better talent than Tulsa. I don't know, man. They're good. They're really good. They just beat beat ECU to death. Um, But but my my point is, it's a huge win for him, a rebound win. And and that shows that, okay, you know, he is – you know, I said against against, um, uh, Ole Miss that it became his team. Now it's become his program, and that's a huge deal. Yeah, and and I I, I think your point is a really really solid one in that you know we we lost to Tulsa. Look, it would have been very easy to go down to to Fort. Are they playing Dallas or Fort Worth? I forget. That's in Dallas. They play in Dallas. He is in Fort Worth. That's right. They they it would have been very easy to go down to Dallas, three o'clock weird start time game. Go down there. Lay an egg, get beat twenty-four to ten, come home five and four, you know, and then sure. you know, fighting it, for your life. That would have been a fold. That could have very easily been a fold the tent game. But but you know, he said something in his press conference. He said something you know in the paper that he told the guys before the game how proud he was of their week of work. Um, you know, because apparently they had a fantastic week of practice last week. Uh, the guys were focused, and and that speaks a lot because you know it's all it's cliche. Oh, you know they're they're only as good as the you know the the coach's personality is what feeds down to the team. Well, that can go really one of two you. ways, and that can go one of two ways. You know, it can either go good because the coach can be like, "Hey guys, we're fine. We're still where we want to be. No worries." Um, or it can go really south. And I was just proud of the young men. Go down there. We can talk about the B word now. Tigers get bowl eligible. Uh, move to six and three, three and two in the conference. SMU falls to four and five, two and three, and SMU is going to have quite an uphill climb to get bowl eligible. They got to win two out of their last three, but the Tigers are so that uh, that's one monkey off the Tigers' back. And, how- and if you win the next two games, John, you're talking about a nice bowl. I mean, you know, we're not going to a New Year's Day bowl, but you're talking about a nice bowl and. You know, a bowl that you can, you know, I if it's in any, anywhere in the state of Alabama, I'm not going. I don't give a flip. I'm um, sorry. I'm a plastic fan. I, I've been to two bowls in Alabama, and they suck. But, 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 and not just the games, the, the stadiums, everything. But, um, but what I mean by that is a nice bowl. Um, I think uh, uh, Lenardi had a, you, you know better than I do. I can't remember, but it was. We were playing Miami somewhere. Um, yeah. yeah, in I mean, the. I mean, uh, all this is speculation. Yeah. You know, but I'm just saying. Yeah, in the uh, military bowl. So, um, right. um, Eric, we're going to take a quick break here in just a second. But Eric from MemphisWeather.net was a little under the weather, oddly enough, this afternoon. So he didn't get a chance to record a forecast, but he did send over the Tigers tonight first forecast to me. Uh, how about this? Clear sky, light wind, temperature around mid 57 or so at kickoff, falling through the 50s. That sound all right to you? I, I I will be there, and I will probably have uh, my flask of rum. And and we will actually get to where <laughs> we will get to wear long sleeves to a game this year. How about that? 
You'll be you'll be excited. Yeah, yeah, I will. But anyway, <laughs> so uh, that's the that's the Tigers Night first forecast from MemphisWeather.net, the uh, the best human powered forecast for Memphis and the Mid South. You can catch them on the web at MemphisWeather.net or in the Google Play or or Apple iTunes store. Ugh, ugh, ugh. A lot for me to say. We'll step. To say. I know, right? All right, we'll step aside for just a minute. When we come back, we will talk about the University of South Florida, not really in South Florida Bulls, and we will talk about the Tigers' (laughs) possible bowl chances. We'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to Tiger Tonight on the OAM Network. Hi, I'm Claren. I'm a worker elf at Santa's Workshop. I make minimum wage and work long hours. My family is on the verge of coming apart at the seams. My wife and I speak in single word exchanges three to four times a day. I don't want to make your toys, but Amazon does. Amazon, everything from A to Z. Music, movies, gaming, appliances, apparel. Heck, you can buy a comb that looks like a switchblade knife on there. Get all your Christmas shopping done at Amazon. Since you're already in a giving mood, I'd like to ask you to give back to the OM Network. Go to theoamnetwork.com slash Amazon. Same Amazon products, same Amazon prices. But the Amazon sends a percentage right on over to OM. You can buy an Adele CD and give back to OM. An Apple Watch and give back to OM. A hairbrush that looks like a switchblade knife and give back to OM. That's theoamnetwork.com slash Amazon. Same great deals, same great prices. Well... Better get back to work. Please don't make me have to work any harder. And welcome back inside the OM Network Studios. John Maddox, Larry Marley with you on Tigers tonight. And uh, a key race update. It's time for the USF at Memphis game on Saturday at the Liberty Bowl. Are these uh, these election puns doing anything for you, Larry? Um, Not really. I, You know, I hate politics <laughs> in, in, in general. And and you know the best the best my wife turned to me, shout out to my wife Jennifer. My wife turned to me um, on Saturday or Sunday. She turned to me and says, "Larry, I got to be completely honest with you. I'm really afraid somebody's going to win." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, said, I said, "Honey, I think you're right." <laughs> so, well, well, actually, so, I think the winners are the American people because after tonight, it's over. Yeah. And then, and then, like, and I'm, I'm, I'm with you, John. I'm sincerely like afraid. So I'm just... Yeah. Well, you know that that one story came out, and and it, I, I wasn't, frankly, I wasn't surprised. I'm very pleased there hasn't been more of that. But anyway, we digress. All right, so moving on. Uh, I'm not really sure I want to talk about it, but hey, here's a news flash: Memphis plays another team coming off a bye game. And this team that we're playing, say it together, boys and girls, has an outstanding front seven on defense. I feel like I've heard that before seven, eight times so far this year. These guys are good. These yeah, guys these are really guys, good. They, they, are, they are really good. You know, and, and we talked a little bit about this last week, and I said, you know, um, I was dead wrong about South Florida. And, and I guess I wasn't because you made a great point. You said they were going to have to show me it. And, and they have absolutely shown me they're 7-2 and two in the league, 4-1 yeah. and one in the conference. But, you know, Temple really worked them over pretty good uh, two weeks or two weeks ago. And then they, they just they got all up in Navy last Saturday at home or on October 28th at home. They beat Navy by a final score of 52-45. to 45. And it wasn't that close. That was a game that nope. uh, they let Navy kind of come back in. But, you know, now they go on the road. They've got two games. They're at Memphis and then at SMU. 
they they have not played really well away from home this year. Um, they played at Cincinnati, won that game, and then got beat by Temple. They they did beat Syracuse on the road, um, but they played really poorly against Temple. So this is kind of a comeback game to see. All right, who are we really? You know, what kind of team are we? The Tigers and the Bulls will kick things off at 6 o'clock on Saturday at the Liberty Bowl. Game will be broadcast on ESPNU. Um, Eamon McAhaney and John Conjemi are the analysts. Again, we've seen them four times this year. Uh, for those of you who care to listen online, you can, of course, listen at GoTigersGo.com or if you're on the road, Sirius XM, Channel 134 or 201 or online, 977. That is the uh, USF call. Um, in the game, uh, all-time series. Memphis leads the series five to three in Tampa. Memphis is three and one at the Liberty Bowl in Memphis. They are two and one, and on a neutral site, USF leads one zero. That was the two thousand eight St. Petersburg Bowl where they not just, really neutral either. Not no, not neutral. And we just we got our behinds kicked. We were we were six and six, and we weren't a very good football team. Uh, we kind of backed our way into a bowl game and uh, got got slaughtered uh usf has not won in memphis since 2004 um i'm sorry 2003 and that was uh was it three or four now i've got myself confused. it was 2003 i was at the game and that dude returned the freaking kickoff that was the game when, when they were supposed to announce our bowl location and then uh this is how screwed up cusa was uh but cusa wouldn't let them announce it at the half and we had this was the last game of the season as, as I recall. Yep. Um, and they were going to announce the bowl, and we, we all knew we were going to New Orleans. Everybody knew we were going to New Orleans. But um, but they wouldn't let them announce for some god-awful reason, which I still don't know. And and so it was supposed to be announced at the half. And then they came out. We were winning, and then they kicked off, and the guy returned a kickoff or a touchdown. Uh, j- j- by three or four. Uh, we lost by five. 21-16. J.R. Reed had four interceptions in that game from Danny Wimprine, um, and that was the difference in the contest. So USF looking to come to Memphis and win, something, again, that they haven't haven't done uh, since 2003. Uh, Bulls are 2-1 and one this year on the road and have won four out of their last six AAC road games. People forget South Florida started playing a lot better at the end of the year last year. Um, yep. After the game against Memphis, um, yeah. that was really uh, the starting point. Yeah, that, and that's what that—that's actually in their game notes this week. That a lot of people considered um, game point of two as the turning point of USF's 2015 season. A game the Tigers won 24 to 17, and again that was a game we were up big and we kind of just locked it down, put it on cruise control, and uh, let UCF kind of get back in the game late. Um, I believe they're the only team that held Paxton under 30 points. He never scored over thirty on them. Yep, I don't believe I don't believe he ever did. No, nope. I'd have to look back, but I, I would I'm, tend to I'm think you're right. Sure, like I, because we were favored big um, in 2014, and we we won, but it wasn't a big win. Um, and then last year we were favored big, and again only won by seven. So uh, this is and, and and this is a team. Unlike their brethren in Orlando, this is a team that has those Florida big, strong linebackers and linemen. I mean, they have them in spades. And you as a team, you're going to have to deal with, and and we're not kind of talked about how do you beat Navy? Well, you have to have a couple of different defensive lines that can come in and, 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 
give yourself uh, a break, that's what they have. They have four or five of those guys. Actually, Memphis did uh, in 2014. Memphis won that game uh, 30, 31 to 20. Um, okay, but the other two years, twenty three to ten, Memphis, uh, they lost. Uh, South Florida lost to Memphis, and then of course last year, twenty four seventeen. So the Bulls have lost three straight and four out of the last five to the Tigers. Um, I I don't know what's going to happen, but but here are a couple things I do know. Um, number one, an interesting note, something George that only you and I know. Uh, USF faced Memphis last year after a bye week. They fell 24-17. USF is 0-5 after a bye week under Coach Taggart. Wow. What an odd stat to be 0-5 after a bye week. Of course, Memphis fans are like, what's a bye week? Um, Oh, yeah, this year, yeah. yeah. Uh, USF brings the nation's leading streak of 13 straight games, scoring at least 30 points into Saturday. Uh, they lost Florida State this year, fifty-five to thirty-five. They lost to Temple, forty-six to thirty. So that they 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 are scoring. They have the nation's number nine scoring ranked offense at forty-three point four points. The number eight ranked rushing offense, two hundred seventy-two point nine yards per game, and the sixteenth ranked total offense, averaging just a little bit over five hundred and two yard five hundred almost five hundred three yards a game. Uh, USF is averaging two hundred ninety-nine point seven five yards rushing over its last four games, eclipsing three hundred yards three times during that streak and has 11 40-plus yard scoring plays in its last three games. Uh, wow. Yeah, Quentin Flowers ranks 15th nationally in total offense and become the first 2,000, 2,000-yard passing, 1,000-yard rushing player in USF history on Saturday. Just two FBS players achieved the mark in all of 2015. He ranks in the top 12 in FBS in yards per carry and yards per completion and is on pace to challenge USF season rushing, passing, and total offense records and passing and rushing TD marks. Uh, Flowers you think has, he's better than Greg Lord? I mean, I'm just oh, asking. absolutely. I, you know, look, I just, I, yeah, I, I, and and I'm not saying Greg Ward's a bad player. Greg Ward's a, a right. fine athlete. He, he's a, you know, he he he's a good player. He's a great teammate. But man, he ain't no Quentin Flowers. This dude, I man, agree. 921 yards on the ground. He's the team's leading rusher. Ten touchdowns, averaging 7.6 yards per carry and over 100 yards rushing per game. Uh, Quentin Flowers has 1,941 yards, seven touchdowns, and seven, I'm sorry, 17 touchdowns, five interceptions on the season, but just a 59.4 completion percentage, which is a little weird. You would think that would be up in the 65 66 range. Uh, Rodney Adams, the leading leading receiver with uh, 41 catches for 556 yards and four scores on the year. Uh, Emilio Nadelman is their kicker. He's got 63 points. He's six of six for field goals on the year, and he's missed one extra point. Uh, the guy on defense that is going to give us headache is a guy named Augie Sanchez. He is their leading tackler at 8.9 tackles per game. He has six tackle, eight tackles for loss and six sacks on the season. He is the defensive Jeez. captain as well. Yeah, he he um he's 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 a linebacker. Uh, he led USF with 13 tackles at Syracuse, 11 versus UConn, and 10 versus Navy. He's in the top 15 of the AAC with in tackles, averaging nine a game, fifth in the league. Uh, in sacks uh, with .67 per game and tackles for loss. He's 15th in the conference, .89. He ranks 10th in program history with 264 
career tackles. Uh, USF has had 11, wow. 11 different players claim a takeaway this year with six different players with an INT and six different players with a fumble recovery, and just one player, Nigel Harris, has both. USF with eight interceptions on the season. Ranked 14th, they ranked 14th in the nation last year with 17, so that production is down just a little bit. Uh, USF is converting 49% of third downs on the year. That's good for 12th in the nation and is 11 out of 12 on fourth down, which is good for second in the nation. Uh, that's pretty good. 32 rushing touchdowns, already a record uh, for the school. They eclipsed that mark set back in 2007. They have 15 plays from scrimmage of over 40 yards in the year, as we said, 11 in the last three games. Uh, US, USF is first in the AAC in scoring at 43.9. They rank eighth nationally and second, posting the 273 yards rushing per game. Um, Marlon Mack has 11 touchdowns in eight games. He's the outstanding running back. Uh, Darrenish Johnson has 11 yeah, touchdowns. He, he's the best running back we'll see this yeah, year he in the is, AAC, in my humble opinion. Uh, he is he is big, strong, and, and just – He's Make nasty. Make that point by being really fast. Yeah. I mean, you know. yeah. he, 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 is, he is really – and when I say nasty, this, this, I mean that in a really good a way. He's a legit NFL guy, John. Legit NFL guy. You think so? I, mean, I, I, I do too. I, I, I don't know that he's quite that fast, but, but he, he, he'll find a place as a blocking back or a third down back or somebody like that. He, he'll have a place. Because like you say, he's got that mean streak. And man, I mean, he he, he like goes out of his way to run over people because just because he likes to hear you grunt. I mean, that's the kind of guy that that you want um, near the goal line. That's why they set the record for the most, you know, with that, and they have one of the best athletes in the country at quarterback. But I mean, literally, this guy is nasty. He who did he dump truck last year? Because you even tweeted or texted me like. That dude just got dumped. Trucks. I cannot remember. Yeah, I that's exactly what you said. Yeah, he he is. He he's just you know he's just he, and I mean you know I mean nasty in 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 the in the most positive possible way. Sure, um, absolutely. You know he he is he is man. He's just he's mean and and Flowers is a mean. Look, Flowers is not a typical quarterback. He is not a he is not dainty. Um, I'm trying to look and see how big he is because because he's he's a monster. Uh, he's like six two or six three. He's he, but but he's just stocky and he's. You look at Riley and how thin. And this guy is not thin. He is a running back who throws the football. Yeah, he uh, he he's just you know, and, and look, some guys have you know, some guys are just really good, and, and there's just not a whole lot you can do about that. Um, uh, he is Quint Flowers is six foot two hundred nine pounds and just built. I know he was stocky. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, stocky. Marlon Mack is the same size. You know, <laughs> he's Marlon Mack is listed at six foot two ten. He's probably up to about two fifty. Two ten three years ago. Come on. Yeah, he he's a big. <laughs> you know, he's a big, strong. Yeah. You know, strong yep. young man. Um, he's like Dorseyus, but but maybe a little bit faster. Think about Dorlin and how Dorlin. You know. So how how do we compare statistically to the to the to the Bulls? Uh, USF has the number eight rushing offense in the country. Uh, we have the number eighty nine rushing defense in the country. Uh, passing offense, we're actually I think we have the eighty ninth. Yeah, we have the eighty ninth rushing offense. Sorry, wrong. Uh, only wrong stat okay, there. Okay, there you go. Okay, um, good. Yeah, that that makes me feel a little better. Um, 
Memphis is a much better passing team. They average they're twenty third in the country. USF is sixty seventh. Um, yep. How about this in kickoffs? Memphis is second in the nation, averaging twenty nine point twenty eight yards per kickoff. USF is one hundred and fourteenth at eighteen point twenty eight. Tigers are seventy seventh in total defense and forty sixth in scoring defense. This will get you a little bit. USF is one hundred and fourteenth in total defense and 86th in scoring defense. They are, I don't see how in the world. They are 100. I mean, well, they played Florida State, so. Yeah. They are 100. Well, and, and Temple put it on them pretty good, too. They're 105th yeah. in the country. They give up a little bit over 218 yards per game on the ground. Memphis uh, gives up about 194 on the ground. Uh, USF, as we said, holding teams to 30.2 points per game. USF averages about 23 first downs per game. Um USF is 33 out of 38 in the red zone. Uh, that's good for 87%. Uh, opponents are 37 out of 39 in the red zone, which is good for 95%. Wow. For Memphis, just 27 out of 35. Our red zone struggles have been well documented this year, uh, 77%. Uh, Tigers better defensively, just 27 out of 32 for opposition at 84%. Uh, Memphis holding teams to 50% on third down as we are on fourth down. As we said, USF is 11 out of 12. Tigers still really good defensively on third down. 46 out of 134. Uh, USF, on the other hand, at 41%, 64 out of 158. So there's another area the Tigers may have a slight advantage. Uh, Memphis getting killed in time of possession by five minutes per game. USF getting killed in time of possession by nine minutes per game. That's uh, amazing that, considering how well they run the football. Uh, both teams have had a buttload of penalties this year. Uh, USF with 58, uh, 58 penalties for 533 yards. Memphis with 56 penalties for 519 yards. Tigers have put the ball on the ground 15 times, have lost eight of those fumbles. USF has put it on the ground 14 times and have lost six of those. Uh, USF opponents have fumbled eight times and – USF has taken the ball away six times. Memphis opponents have fumbled 15 times. The Tigers have taken it away 11 times out of those 15. And, and, you know, that goes to what I think this game is going to come down to, Larry, is taking advantage of the opportunities with which you are presented. Yep. Turnovers. You, you know, turnovers. You, you don't turn it, it Really, it's going to be turnovers. Yeah, yep. you, you don't turn it over, and you hope the other – and when the other guys do – You've got to go down and score. You you can't, you know, field goals. I, I love, you know, I love Jake Elliott. Jake Elliott. But I yep. only want to see Jake Elliott one time on Saturday. Two, t- two things I want to see Jake Elliott doing. Kicking an extra point and kicking the ball off. That's all I want to see Jake Elliott. Well, and, and your point is that in, this, in, a, in a game where you, you feel like, okay, the talent level is close uh, between the two teams. This is going to be, and special teams can make a difference. Um, you, you mentioned an interesting stat: kickoffs. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of ways to get field position. One of those is with kickoffs. Um, as you pointed out, the SMU game really swung on a kickoff return. Um, and this is one of those games where these two teams, um, a special teams play, uh, forcing a fumble on a punt blocking a punt, um, something like that can easily swing this game. And you're, and if you're looking at, we talked about, we kind of talked about how great USF's, some of USF's players are. Those guys can't beat you if they're on the sideline. 
And, 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 you know, I do think time of possession is going to be a big deal here. Um, I know that we're not great at that, but I do think it could be a big deal. We need to control the ball to a degree. Um, we need to make sure that we don't give up um, the big plays that you talked about, 40, 50-yard plays. Keep them in front of you. Give up a first down, but don't give up. You know, don't don't die. Don't take a poor ankle trying to make a spectacular play. Keep them in front of you. Make them drive the ball. Don't give up. You know, you know, bad penalties. So those are all part of it, John. Yeah, and you know, as our friend Tony Graves likes to say on, on the big play thing, nothing deep and nothing cheap. Um, Correct. You know, you just can't let guys get behind you, and and you know, because USF is good enough, they're going to take advantage of that. Uh, on Saturday, so it's it's and you're you're dead on, and it just goes back again. You know, we talk about the broken record. We're playing a team coming off a of bye. That team has a good front seven. Memphis has got to run the damn football on Saturday. That's that's what we've got to do. You know, we we need Raleigh to come out and control the game passing wise, but we have got to take advantage, and we didn't do it against Tulsa for whatever reason. But we have got to take advantage of USF's inability to stop the run because uh, they haven't proven they can stop anybody running the football this year, and. You you know, if if we can take advantage of the mistakes that will be made, because let's be honest, somebody's going to make a mistake. Um, what you can't afford to have happen if you're Memphis is turn it over on your own 15-yard line, you know, or fumble Correct. it or throw an interception or, you know, and, and knock on wood, we've avoided, we've avoided that so far this year. With Except all, for the Tulsa game. Yeah, with all the mistakes we've made. Well, you know, we just had the butt fumble. That was the only fumble that we really had that really – Hurt us. We had the interception. We had the interception. That's right. Yeah. So where he got his arm. That's that's right. But that was out towards midfield. So that doesn't really, you know, I'm talking about just those killer turnovers where, you know, they kick off and you run it out to the 22 yard line and you fumble it and and or right they punt and yep. back you up on the 10 and you enter get an interception or so it's going to be important. I think you know, and a lot of this week is on the coaches. How do they call plays because. South Florida has 13 straight games of 30 points. So that tells you right there, South Florida is going to score. They're they're going to score the football. They're going to, you know, they're going to get their 30 points probably. No and that's not a knock on our defense. They've done it to everybody else this year. They did it to Florida State. So so why wouldn't they do it to us? Although admittedly a, a bit down Florida State defense from previous years. Um but their defense is still probably better than ours. Pro yeah, absolutely. I, I have no doubt saying that. Um so you know, they, they put up a lot of points against them. So they're going to score their points. How we handle it offensively is what's critical to me. You know, we, we can't afford to go out and go down 14 nothing. You know, we, we've got to keep. really tough. That's really tough. We've got to keep contact. And if we do go down 14 nothing, you know, we've got to kind of rebound and and say, okay. You know where are we? What what's happening here? You know let's let's kind of rein it in. But I would just rather not go down to to South Florida because that offense is a machine. Once it gets clicking and rolling, it just clicks and rolls. And and you just got to get out of the way. It's it's kind of like Navy, um, but a totally different way. In that 
what they do, they do very well. But they they just they do different things. The Navy, but but I just think that that early momentum is key in this game, and not just going out and laying an egg in the first ten minutes. And you know we didn't do that against SMU. So this this the the first six or seven minutes, you can't win the game. But you can sure as hell lose the game in the first six or seven minutes. We can't come out and go three and out, three and out, three and out, interception. I mean, we, we just can't do that. It'll be 28 nothing before we know it. Um, we've got to come out and, and move the football a little bit and make that USF defense stay on the field because as bad as we've been with time of possession this year, they've been worse, and that shows up in the rushing defense. I mean, they're getting you know nine minutes a game difference. The other team has the ball. Um it's just the question, are we good enough to take advantage of that? And, you know, this is a toss-up game. USF probably is a little better than us, but it's at home. So this is a toss-up game. What's going to, you know, how's this going to break down? What's going to happen? You know, how how's Memphis going to respond coming off a win? Because that's something that we haven't really talked a whole lot about is how are we going to respond coming off a win? Sure. You know, we, we want... I mean- now, now, now this is something we have handled, but you, you, you can't start reading your own press clippings. You know, um, you have to stay in the moment, and you have to say, okay, um, forget what, you know, forget what, what everybody's saying now. Remember why you were so motivated. It's because of what happened to Tulsa. You have to be afraid of feeling that again and wanting to... Um, to play, not necessarily just because of um, uh, some sort of uh, what, it, what, you, what, the, what the press is telling you. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, you have to stay within. And, and games are won not by an individual, but by individual groups. And by that, I mean, how does your offensive line play against their defensive line? How does how do your wide receivers play against, execute against their defensive backs? And and what Memphis did last week, which we didn't do against Tulsa, was we won those group battles. And it's going to be critical. The offensive line has got to play probably, I won't say their best game of the year, but they're going to have to play as well as they can play to, to open holes and to, and to get, get, the, get the offense going. Well, and to be, but to be, to be fair, as, uh, you know, as well, you're you're right, but some of that also is going to fall on the staff to prepare for this game and say, okay, here's what we can't do this game. We can't just line up and, and run it at 266, 305, 296, 266 pounds. We, we just can't line up and run it at that. Um, you know, we've got to get their linebackers blocked. You know, we've got to get Vincent Jacks or uh, Augie Sanchez and Nigel Harris blocked. Um you know, and then they've got the striker position that, that is kind of like our Austin Hall. We got to get that guy blocked. So we can't. We we have to scheme this right too. We can't just come out and run thirteen straight times to start the game. You know, we we've been guilty of that a little bit this year as kind of our feeling our feeling out process a little bit. You know, of oh, you know, yeah, you know, we can just let's just run, 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 and let's kind of hang in there. So, you know, I I just. I, I think the play calling the first five minutes of the game is absolutely critical. I just it, – it's more so than any game this year. So, it is that time. It is the witching hour. 
Uh, let's see. The game starts at 6. I predict this game will go 3 hours and 22 minutes. It will kick off at 6.02 p.m., so that puts us at 9.24 p.m. Those in attendance at Liberty Bowl Memorial Stadium will look up that scoreboard, and it will say... Well, you're not going to be happy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I predict you will not be happy. I think it's going to say 38-28 USF. I had 38-17 USF. I, I just... I don't like the way we match up with them. And I'm not saying, nope. oh, USF is way up. better than Memphis. We just we just don't match up very well with this team. It's a bad but, matchup. But USF 0-5 in a bye week under Willie Taggart. That, that, yeah, that's, that, a, that's a that's that's a weird anomaly. I see, but I don't no think when I don't I don't think when you're 0 and five, I don't you think you can say, oh, that's just an anomaly. Um, I, I think that's a trend. Um, not sure. I'd have to trend. look at their opponents following that, John. I, I really would. I have to see who are their opponents, and because um, you know there's some weird stuff that can go on there. But I, I get what you're saying. And it could happen, and they could come in, and Memphis could could just jump on them. It could happen. Um, I just, but again, I, I'm with you. I don't like individual matchups. No, the group matchups. Yeah, I, I, I just don't. I mean, and and again, you know, I just, I just don't like the matchup. I just don't think. I don't think this is a favorable physical matchup for us. Um, you know, I was gonna go back Very, and really look. look Think, think about Temple and how physical Temple was and how we struggled with that for a while. I I fear we're going to do that. Here's the difference. Temple, if you will recall, Temple could have easily blown, blown us out, had the ball inside the, the red zone several times in the first half, never was able to miss a field goal, miss several field goals, as a matter of fact, um, and opened the door for us. And then, as you say, we had about a 10-minute stretch there in the third quarter where we won the game. I I, I, I I tend to think of this team very similar to Temple, and we're going. I think we're going to struggle with their physicality, and I think we're going to struggle. And I don't think we're going to be lucky enough that they're going to make all the mistakes Temple made. So, well, we'll see. I, you know, who, who knows who's right? Um, so, all right. So now we're going to spend just a few minutes here, and we're going to talk about. Something that we've we we're going to talk about something that uh, we thought that we would probably you know we we've been holding back on a little bit, and that is that is the bowl games matchups uh, for the American Athletic Conference um, this year. Tigers, of course, finally got bowl eligibility on Saturday um, by defeating SMU. So they have uh, here are here are the available bowls. To Memphis, uh, to to Lord, uh, the American Athletic Conference on this season. Um, you have the BBVA Compass Bowl in Birmingham, uh, St. Petersburg Bowl, I believe. Uh, let's see. Let's go down the list this way. Um, all right. So on Saturday, December seventeenth, there's the AutoNation Cure Bowl, which takes place in Orlando, Florida, at Citrus Bowl Stadium. That'll be an American Athletic Conference team versus the Sun Belt. Uh, it comes on at 4.30 Central Time on CBS Sports Network. Uh, Got to think that USF slash UCF would be the favorites for that game um, simply because they want to sell tickets. Um, sure. Then next Monday, December 19th, it'll be a cold day in hell if we ever go back, but that's the Miami Beach Bowl where we will take the American Athletic Conference will take on a team from the 
Mid American well, Conference. Well, the Cubs just won the World Series, John. So yeah, well, yeah, you know, probably we, frozen. Yeah, probably so. so. Uh, that'll be a one thirty start Monday, December nineteenth on ESPN. Then on December twentieth on Tuesday, this is what I think the Tigers' likely bowl destination is: uh, the Boca Raton Bowl at FAU Stadium in Boca Raton, Florida. It'll be a six p.m. kick against a Conference USA team. Uh, I will tell you that uh, both uh, Mark Schlebach and um, what's the other guy's name, Brett McMurphy, over at yeah. uh, ESPN, think that's where Memphis will end up. Um, and he, they say that Schlebach, Mark Schlebach says that uh, Memphis will play Old Dominion in said bowl yeah. game. And Brett McMurphy says that we will pay a visit with our dear friends from Murfreesboro, Tennessee, Middle Tennessee State, uh, in that game. Um, I, I don't know that I'll they got to get bowl eligible. They're not bowl eligible. And Brent Stock stills out for the season with a broken collarbone. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not I'm not sure about that one. But uh, anyway, I digress. Is that McMurphy? Is that McMurphy's pick? Yeah, is Middle Tennessee. I think he's just trolling Memphis fans, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, he's he's pretty good at that. Uh, Friday, December 23rd is the next AAC game. It is the Popeyes Bahamas Bowl at Thomas Robinson Stadium in Nassau, Bahama. Right, I guess, is that on Grand Bahama? I'll be down with that. Yeah, it'd be all right. Uh, it'll be a 12 noon kick on ESPN. Uh, we would take on either a team from Conference USA or the MAC. Uh, a lot of people are asking about Navy this year because Navy is traditionally locked into the bowl game that takes place at their stadium. This year, they're actually, this is the year they are locked into the Lock- Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl. Locked in unless they, by some miracle, ran the table, won the conference title, and Western Michigan fell off the face of the earth, and got and Boise State lost everything and got the group of five bid. They're going to doubt. They're going to Fort Worth to play in Texas TCU Stadium. That game will kick off at four thirty on ESPN. Or I'm sorry, at three thirty on ESPN on Friday, December twenty third. So you'll have two AAC teams uh, going up there. Uh, next up, Friday, Monday, December 26th at Tropicana Field in St. Petersburg, Florida. It is the St. Petersburg Bowl as uh, an American Athletic Conference team. One of two games they have against the ACC or Notre Dame. Um, that game will kick off at 10 a.m. Memphis time on Monday, December the 26th. Uh, yeah, that's early. Uh, then the Military Bowl, the game we were just talking about, kicks off Tuesday, December 26th. Did you say December 26th? Yes, Monday, December 26th. That's my birthday. Well, uh, and then okay. t- look, if I got to get up at 10 a.m., they better damn well win. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> on your birthday, no less. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and the next uh, bowl opportunity is on Tuesday, December 27th at Navy Marine Corps Stadium in Annapolis, Maryland, the Military Bowl, where where the athletic, American Athletic Conference will take on either an ACC team or Notre Dame. We've seen some projections with NC State in that bowl. I've seen a couple with Miami and Memphis in that bowl game. Um, let's see. And then Thursday, December 29th, another hell hole. I hope we never go back to Birmingham bowl in Birmingham, Alabama at Legion field. Well, That'll be a one pin kick. Can go, Larry's not yeah. Yeah. I'm never going again. Um, and then that's it, um, for the possibilities for bowl games. So you've got Birmingham, uh, you've got the military bowl. You've got the St. The St. Petersburg bowl, You've got the Bahamas Bowl, you've got uh, Boca Raton, Miami Beach, and the AutoNation Cure Bowl in Orlando. So you got to think South Florida, if they are, which they are bowl eligible, um, 
where how do, where's their they don't travel very well that's something that hurts them so they might get uh that uh St. Petersburg bowl bid cuz you want your conference champion to play against a power 5 school if it's at all possible i i would think um unless your conference champion is Memphis then apparently that doesn't imply uh, apply yeah i'm looking at you Miami Beach bowl BYU um so you got to think they're probably pretty much locked into St. Petersburg um, if UCF can get eligible, then they're probably pretty locked into that AutoNation Cure Bowl. So you're, from Memphis's perspective, you're really looking at Boca Raton, the Military Bowl, or um, the Papa Bahamas Bowl. Um, so those those are probably the three destinations. Um, I prefer the Military Bowl because it's going to be against a power five opponent, um, which is, you know, that that's how I want Memphis's season to end every year against a power sure. five opponent in a bowl game. Sure. Uh, but if you're the players, you got to be pulling for that Bahamas Bowl, don't you? <laughs> um, yeah, why not? Yeah. I mean, one, one of the things that – here's one of the things that – and I've never got to play in the bowl, so I, I have no idea, but – I would think a couple of things. Sure, you want to go to like for me. I would I would love to have been able to go to Hawaii and play. Um, that would have been awesome. Never got to do that. Um, I would have loved to have been able to go play. You know, somewhere like uh, somewhere cool like uh, you know, like we never played in Florida. Or, so so yeah, that would be awesome to go to the Bahamas. But there's also another thought to that. Your parents really can't come see you. They have to watch it on TV. So there's that side of it. Um, so if you can't go to someplace really neat, then you want to go someplace where your parents can go be with you. And I think that's the two. So that's what Birmingham was last year um, to a degree. So hopefully this year, they, like you said, they'll get to do some work. I don't know what Boca Raton does for you. It's other than being close to Miami, and the weather will probably be good, but. I mean, uh, that military bowl would be awesome. Yeah, um, but, but I, we've been to Annapolis. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm not sure um, how much fun playing Miami in Annapolis, Maryland, and I'm just making that up, would be uh, in December. <laughs> you know, if you have your brothers, oh, no, no, I, you, you'd rather be in. It would be awesome for you and me to watch on TV. Okay, that's that's what I mean. I'm actually that's that's actually oddly enough uh, the reason I am so publicly campaigning. um, uh, So why I'm so publicly campaigning for uh, the military balls? That's probably the one game I think I could get to. Uh, The others are just you know, the others are just not not very good, not very uh, you know, not very. And I'm not going and, and I'm not flying to Boca Raton. I mean, I'm just oh, come on. Where's your where's your, I, I, where's your sense I'm of adventure? I'm just not. Like, I, I I might actually fly to the Bahamas. Well, I see, might. Yeah, but, see, I don't have a passport, so that's why I don't want to the Bahamas because then I definitely can't go. Um, well, you can get well. Okay, if you don't have a passport at all, no. But yeah. like, you can always take a cruise over there. You know, like a two day cruise over the Bahamas. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, now I'm good. Um, but you know, it, it really is about a reward for the kids, and, and, and you know, yeah. the mark of a good season. And they and they want to do matchups. I mean, you want the best matchups. You know. Uh, 
you know, for, for folks, I got a couple of them on Twitter that are hoping for no Florida Bowl. I would say the odds are pretty high that we would play in one of those three Florida Bowl games, um, especially if UCF can't get eligible. Um, I could easily see us uh, over – Wait, UCF is in Orlando, yeah. So I could easily see us in that Cure Bowl, and that would just be, for me, an unmitigated disaster because then you're taking on a Sunbelt team. You know, you're going to face Troy or South Alabama or somebody along that. And and I'm going to be completely honest with you. When you play a team that you should just beat the pants off of, sometimes you just don't. Sometimes you just don't even show up. And I remember, this is how old I am, but I remember one time Air Force played Ohio State in yeah. the Liberty Bowl. And it was the last place Ohio State wanted to be. I mean, the absolute last place they ever wanted to be. And, and Air Force just beat the crap out of them. And, and, and it, was, it was just one of those deals where yeah, Ohio State was a lot better than Air Force. But you just didn't want to be there. And I see what you're saying. I mean, you go down there, you're playing insert – directional Texas team, you know, and who you don't know the mascot of and don't care. Um, <laughs> that just would suck. Yeah, they've got uh, uh, the ESPN projections, and I, you know, I haven't looked at, at the, the matrix that somebody does, but the ESPN projections have either UCF versus Georgia Southern or Army versus Georgia Southern in that game. And that, that to me, just doesn't feel like a reward for a first-year coach and I mean, a team? Orlando doesn't suck, but the rest of it does. I'm sorry. It just does. So just looking through the uh, looking through the um, Miami Beat or, or all the ESPN projections, and I'll pull up another one here in a second, but uh, in the Miami Beach Bowl, they uh, Schlebach has Houston and Ohio. McMurphy has UCF and Ohio. They're, they're very confident that UCF is going to get bowl eligible. I'm not so much me. Um well, we cannot play our friends BYU in the Miami Beach Bowl because they are locked into the San Diego County Credit Union Poinsettia Bowl this year. Um, let's see. Moving on. The Bahamas Bowl. Um, both both uh, Schlebach and McMurphy have Tulsa going to the Bahamas. Uh, Schlebach says Western Kentucky. McMurphy says Old Dominion. How about a Western Kentucky-Tulsa Bowl game? You think they might score some points in that one? A few, yeah. one or two. Uh, the Armed Forces Bowl, which will have Navy, uh, both both project Kansas State and Navy. Uh, in the St. Petersburg Bowl, uh, Mark Schlebach has Central Michigan, South Florida. Boy, talk about selling some tickets. Um, and McMurphy has Miami of Ohio versus Temple. Um, let's see, moving on here. And, and keep in mind, with these projections um, and the Military Bowl, um, Kind of fitting that both of them have Georgia Tech and their triple option attack uh, playing in that bowl. Uh, Schlebach says versus Temple. Georgia Tech says versus USF. Who knew? I didn't know there was a second bowl game in San Diego, uh, the Holiday Bowl. Who knew? Um, I'm making sure I got all the the uh, the bowls that we care about. Uh, the Birmingham Bowl. Schlebach has Army in South Carolina. That's projecting that Conference USA won't have enough teams available. And McMurphy says Houston versus Kentucky. Uh, but also keep in mind something as we're reading all of this. Um, Liberty Bowl. I hope they don't do this because I'll be profoundly disappointed. But Schlebach has Baylor versus Kentucky, and McMurphy has Georgia versus Baylor. I, I want Baylor's program to be shut down. I don't want them going to bowl games. Uh, but anyway, I don't want to get into that again this year. I don't want to talk about week. Baylor again tonight. But but but, but 
you know, that's a situation. That's a bad situation. I actually was on radio in New Orleans, and I talked about that last week. That's a bad situation. Let me bad. pull up the CBS, CBS Sports uh, football bowl projections here. You know, you'd think that I would have prepared all this before the before the night, but it's been crazy at work the last couple of weeks. So, uh, you know, this is what you guys get. You get a uh, live on-the-fly deal. All right, so Jerry Palm, who now works for CBS Sports, um, he does them in reverse order. So let me go down here to the bottom. Um, he has, in the Cure Bowl, he has UCF versus Troy, which, you know, that, that would be a sensible matchup. Um, he has Temple versus Ball State in the Miami Beach Bowl. He has Memphis versus UTEP in the Boca Raton Bowl. Ugh. I'd prefer to not have that. Um, moving on up here, he's got Kansas State and Navy. That's kind of almost like a consensus uh, St. Petersburg Bowl, he's got South Florida versus Central Michigan. He says that there will not be enough bowl-eligible teams from um, uh, from uh, the ACC. Now, he says that the Bahamas Bowl is CUSA versus MAC. Uh, I don't think that's correct. He has Louisiana Tech versus Ohio uh, there, um, but I, I just don't think that's right. In the Military Bowl, he's also got Georgia Tech versus Houston. Um, let's see. I'm looking, I think, Birmingham Bowl, Tulsa, and Ole Miss. Um, that that would be a matchup that would have lost some of its luster, um, you know, due to losing Chad Kelly for the season at Ole Miss. So, um, yeah, he's got – now, where did, he, where did I tell you he had Memphis? He had Memphis uh, playing uh, Texas El Paso in that Boca Raton Bowl. Let's see. Let me look at the SI Bowl projections. I You know, there's – you know, everybody and their brother – um, have a bowl projections apparently. Um, let's see, playoff prediction after week ten. Yeah, I mean, I, I got two bowl projections that I have out. Yeah, yeah, uh, and you can get those online for just not. No, I'm just kidding. Um, let's see. All right, so moving on here. Um, you know, I hate SI's new site design and all the stupid auto start videos and all that. Sorry, it's uh okay, here we go. Um let's see. They've got in the Cure Bowl, they've got UCF Arkansas State. Uh they've got Memphis Louisiana Tech in the Boca Raton Bowl. That that'd be a pretty attractive matchup. Um Yeah, I I, I don't mind that at all. If if I've got to play a a a CUSA school, I'd rather it be somebody like La Tech. They've got Tulsa Central Michigan in the Miami Beach Bowl. Um, let's see, moving on down the line here, da, da, da. they've got Kansas State Navy in the Armed Forces Bowl, uh, in the St. Petersburg Bowl, they have Georgia Tech versus South Florida, so in the Military Bowl, that means they have Army versus Temple, so they think that the ACC is not going to have enough teams, and Temple gets to stay fairly close to home and take on an Army team playing at Navy's stadium, how weird would that be, um, but the other thing that you've got to account for here, uh, they've got Houston in Birmingham taking on South Carolina, if South Carolina can get bowl eligible. Um, the other thing you've got to account for here are trades. And it almost happened for us a couple years ago. Uh, we were wanted by several bowl games and uh, just didn't work out. We ended up uh, in Miami. Um so it's it's very interesting to me how the, all that stuff works, and and I would love to get a bowl person on here to kind of explain the process, but they're not very um, open about it. They they tend to be very close 
tight-lipped about their um, process. So it, it's going to be interesting to me to see what kind of horse trading goes on. Um, you know, they, we, we, the Independence Bowl really tried to get us a couple years ago. Um, they would have tried to get us last year, but we'd have said no way, and Virginia Tech would have said no way. Um, so a lot of it depends on how the AAC shakes out and where, you know, how many teams do we have that are bowl eligible. Um, right now in the AAC, you have, let's see, I'm getting over there. Oh, cancel. Don't want to close. Um, let's see. You have Tulsa, Navy, Houston, Memphis, all bowl eligible. On the other side, you've got Temple and USF that are bowl eligible. You've got uh, UCF with five wins, Cincinnati with four. They're probably not going to get there. East Carolina is not going to get there. They're three and six, and UConn is not bowl eligible. They're three and seven. Uh, technically, everybody else can still be bowl eligible. Uh, probably not going to happen. Uh, Memphis has USF, Cincinnati, and Houston left. Um, so you know you got to figure that Cincinnati is probably probably not going to uh, get bowl eligible. So. That gives you, let's see, what was that? How many bowl-eligible teams was that? I didn't even count them. Um, that gives you one, two, three, four, five, six. Probably, Conference USA probably ends up with seven bowl-eligible teams, and I think they have six slots. Um, so what could happen, although I don't think it's likely with the group of teams that will be bowl-eligible, is somebody could get left at home. Uh, I, I think that's pretty unlikely. Um, so... You know who knows? It's 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 going to be three fun weeks, and, and there's going to be so many projections and and so many. Oh, we're going here, we're going here, we're going here. We're not going to know until after, probably after the uh, conference championship games on December third is when the picture will start to be a little clearer. Um, I forget when the playoff committee selects their games because that's kind of what you have to wait for you have to wait it's a trickle down thing you have to wait for who the sec is sending where who the acc is sending the big 12 all the big conferences all the contract bowls and all that have to be filled and then that kind of trickles down to the lower bowls but hey it's fun to be talking about this stuff in in november for the third straight year and and this was the first time a rookie head coach at memphis has become bowl eligible, and will play in the postseason. Yeah, I, I think that's remarkable. That speaks speaks a lot, obviously, to um, to Mike Norvell and his staff, but it also, let's be clear, it speaks a lot to uh, Justin Fuente and his staff for not leaving the, the cupboard bare. Um, so that's, that's it. That's where we stand on November 8th. Um, Good Lord willing, and the sun comes up in the morning, like I think it will, regardless of the end result tonight of the election. Um, you know, I think that we'll be back here. We'll be talking about this next week. And if the Tigers can pull off a win, they start to kind of move up that packing order. And look, I'm going to be clear. Bowles already want Memphis anyway because we freaking travel. And Bowles love that. They love, oh, you're going to bring a bunch of fans to your city. If the New Orleans Bowl could have us every year, they absolutely would because they know we would pack the place out every year. So that's why attendance is important, especially at road games. We've had some great, uh, awesome attendance uh, at road games this year. Had a nice, really nice crowd at SMU, um, and that's why it's important. So, uh, what do you think the what do you think the the attendance is going to be on Saturday? Uh, 
you know, I'd love to tell you it's going to be 40. It's not. I mean, 30 to 35. Yeah, I, I, I was thinking about 34. That, that's that's what I was thinking. And this happens every year, And it, although this is a huge game. And, you know, it would – look, we got surprised last year when Navy had 55,000. You know, I don't think any of us really saw that coming last year. So I'd love to be pleasantly surprised. It's going to be a perfect weather day on Saturday. Um no real excuses not to come out to the ball yard on Saturday and watch the Tigers. And what should be, all, all everything aside, it should be a great game. Um, two really good teams just going to go head-to-head and uh, see who comes out on top. Yep. I mean, I, I again, I hope we're both wrong. I hope we are both dead wrong. Yeah, I do too. I, I you know, I'm, I've been wrong several times today already, and I hope I'm wrong again. So, that's going to wrap it up for this week for the best co-host in all the land, Larry Marley, and for our producer, Mr. Gill, over there behind the glass, making all the magic happen. This is John Maddox signing off for the USF edition of Tigers Night. We will see you again next week, right here on the OM Network. Go Tigers, go! Thanks for tuning in to Tigers Tonight. The opinions of all guests appearing on this show are their own and do not reflect the views of their employers. Tigers Tonight is not affiliated with the University of Memphis in any way. Join us next week for Tigers Tonight. This podcast is a production of OM Audio and the OM Network. For more information, go to theoamnetwork.com.